What's going on, everybody? It's another episode of Left Side Heavy, the podcast presented by Blue Wire Hustle. It's your boy, Jevin LeFave. You can follow me on Instagram at Jevin.LeFave. Catch me on Twitter at JevinLeFave. Find everything for the show on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Left Side Heavy underscore. Today, I'm bringing on reoccurring guests and roommates, Corey Latondre and Johnny Sousa, to talk some NHL, NBA, and UFC. McGregor Poirier, especially. Corey will be on for the first hour ish, and then Corey will, uh, Johnny will hop on and then talk about the UFC card with me and Corey. So it is a fun and entertaining episode, but the important thing is be sure to enter the giveaway. Get your ratings and reviews in. Make sure to screenshot your submission and DM them to left side heavy underscore. Be sure to like the uh, giveaway post. Follow Left Side Heavy on Instagram. Um, you can win a $50 Amazon gift card. So be sure to get those submissions in. Um, winners will be announced by next episode. So, well, not the next KBNR that is uh, dropping this Friday, but the next weekly episode, uh, episode 46. So, yeah, be sure to get on that because a $50 Amazon gift card could be yours. You know, you might not think you need an Amazon gift card until you're shopping on Amazon. And then next thing you know, you're like, oh, I got a $50 e-gift card from uh, Jevin LaFave, part of the Left Side Heavy Podcast presented by Blue Wire Hustle. So (laughs) um, be sure to enter the giveaway because it doesn't hurt. It could potentially just be free. There's no risk involved. So get those reviews in, and Tom, let's go, baby. It's episode 44 of Left Side Heavy, the podcast presented by Blue Wire Hustle. I'm your host, Jevin LaFave, and today I'm bringing on reoccurring guest, Corey Latondra, flexing his big old muscles over there. How's it going, buddy? Woo! Doing pretty good, bud. Happy to be back. How you doing, buddy? Oh, you know, not so bad, not so bad. Just finished a thriller over there, Montreal and Tampa Bay. So, hey, what can you say? Get another day of hockey. That game brought me so much shakes in my boots. It was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. Right down to the wire, right? If every game could go to OT, we'd all be just living right on the edge of our seats for the rest of our lives. Amen. Especially when Tampa's buzzing the way they are right now. It's like, Good luck holding them at bay for another three games. <laughs> yeah. Like, the last thing I want to see is, like, one of my favorite teams lose the Stanley Cup in overtime and be swept. It's just, like, at least just, like, win one game and then... Get the gentleman's sweep. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. You know, but... what, I'm, you know what I'm looking forward to is uh, Vancouver, obviously. We have such a bum rap still. Ten years later, be like, oh, you guys rioted after you lost. I'm like, oh, come on, Montreal. Lose and riot, lose and riot. Then all that goes away from us, and it goes to the Habs, and Vancouver can just be a poorly run team again, and everyone will leave us alone. 
<laughs> yeah. It's uh <clears throat> well they absolutely destroyed that one intersection when they went to the final, so if they lose then Right? Who knows? Except Frenchmen running around. Except this so angry. <laughs> <laughs> this is a bit different though because they didn't blow a series lead like Vancouver did. It's true. Vancouver's up three two. We were one one away and we lost two in a row. And we got shut out in game seven. So that's just in, yeah. In our in our home arena. Yeah, no, way worse. I'm not saying the situation's <laughs> worse. It's definitely better, Montreal. They shouldn't riot. They shouldn't the difference is Vancouver was supposed to win that cup. We were the best yeah. team in the league. Montreal was like, We barely made the playoffs. You should be happy with your run. But you know, you know the people of Quebec. They always yeah. think they deserve stuff. They they're gonna be like, oh, we should have won. This is horseshit. And running around, we want to separate now even more. And they're like, yeah, gross. <laughs> go away. Yeah, riot, riot, you little Frenchman, riot. I'm driving up. I'm hoping we get a lot of listeners in Quebec. <laughs> oh, that would be amazing to see the comments potentially about this one specific part of the episode. <laughs> it's a clip. It's going viral over there. In Montreal. Oh man, but yeah, so let's kick off this episode because I don't it is currently nine twenty three in the evening and I don't want to keep you too long, too late, because I do in fact work tomorrow, so I don't want to be miserable tomorrow. But uh I want to start this episode off on a not the brightest of notes. I want to get it out of the way. Um Forgive me if I pronounce this name wrong, but rest in peace, Mattis Kivleniks. Kivleniks? Latvian name. So forgive me if I mispronounce it, but he sadly passed away in a firework accident. It was a chest trauma that was resulted from a firework that started to fire towards him and several others on the July 4th celebration. He was 24 years old and he was a undrafted prospect for the Columbus Blue Jackets. And just want to give con- condolences to him and his family. It's very upsetting news to see a guy that young go on such a horrific incident. Yeah, of course. It's, you know, thoughts and well wishes as much as you can to the family and to his teammates and friends and Losing somebody is never easy, let alone when it's just a young, young adult and unexpected like that. And by all accounts, he was a great teammate and stuff. I saw a few things kind of rolling in on social media from teammates and stuff like that. And yeah, it's crazy. It's wild when you see it happens so rarely with young athletes. Yeah. Right. That it's just, it always kind of hits a little bit different and it's, it's, I don't want to say it's sadder than when like a normal person dies because obviously a life is a life, but like you just athletes are on this weird pedestal. We look at them in a different light. They're like yeah, gladiators or Titans. And it's just like when somebody dies and when they die young, like I Luke Bourdon here in Vancouver all those years ago and people still remember it and they still talk about it. You're like, yeah, young, when a young athlete passes, there's something that's just weirdly more eerily and sad about it just yeah what a terrible terrible thing it's extremely tragic and yeah thoughts and prayers to the family and 
the hockey community is with you guys, kind of similar to the Kobe Cave situation and many others in the past. You stay strong and we'll um, help you get through this in the long run because it's such a tragic accident that you like a firework accident that like fires toward fires. Like when does that ever happen? Like it's something you never expect. And especially like on a celebration like of independence day and it's like you expect to be happy and glorified and patriotic and the next thing you know it's like you get the call that your son passed due to chest trauma from fireworks being fired at him and it's like well so much for that life is fleeting right everything's cool one second and it's the next second it's not so it's one of those super sad reminders that it can be just like that and hug your family tell them you love them because you never know what could happen yeah Corey, i love you love you too buddy johnny whenever you come in here i love you too man he's indifferent (laughs) oh man but yeah sad uh, segue out of here yeah let's do it let's do it um montreal versus tampa uh we are currently recording the night of game four post game uh, Monday, July 5th, but I want to start kind of backwards towards game one um, because it had yet to start last time I recorded. So game one, um, Tampa defeats Montreal 5-1. Um, Tampa just straight up dominated. They were just like, they were simply just the better team. Uh, Kucherov finished with two goals, one assist, point finished with three assists. They, they You could tell that they were the much better team. But- that game, it was like, it was like when you're playing around with like your younger cousins or something like that. And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're playing like Madden or NHL with them. Right. And you let them score a few goals and whatever. And yeah. like that's Montreal. Like, Oh, we're doing well. And we're getting the finals. And then you're like, they start talking a little too much smacks. So you're like, okay, fine, here we go. And then you dust some six year old. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, this <laughs> Pretty is much. what happens. And that's, that's exactly that's, it. That's what game one of that series was. Tampa Bay yeah. was like, I'm an adult. And Montreal was like, we're just kids. Yeah, <laughs> I uh, I watched the game and I was like, man, like Tampa's just like they're unreal. But then I also remember I was like, hey, Vegas beat them four one and they're in game one and look like the much better team. And then Montreal got their feet wet and like they, they played very good hockey afterwards. Mm-hmm. So I I didn't take too much into account in game one, even though like Tampa's obviously Tampa. But I was like, Vegas was also a very good team. And I think they were just very fatigued from the seven-game series in Colorado. But I was like, Montreal played good against Vegas. Obviously, they won in six games, which nobody expected. So, you know what? They lost 5-1 to Tampa, but we'll see how game two goes. And game two was a much different story, in my opinion. Like, Montreal was, in my like in my opinion, significantly the better team in game two. I don't know what you thought about game two. I'm with you. They looked like they came out like an embarrassed team. <laughs> they got whooped. And yeah. They, I think they were better. I, they were ultimately, you know, they weren't better because they lost. But I thought they came out. They, if you just didn't show me any goals and you just showed me the game, I'd be like, oh, Tam- Tampa Bay probably lost this game. But those are the breaks, right? Yeah doesn't matter sometimes you can do everything right and you still lose and unfortunately that's what happened to Labeton in game number 
Yeah, so one thing I want to say about this game is that the two first goals that were scored were non uncharacteristic goals by both goalies. More so like they didn't yep. necessarily see the puck. Both ones they'd like back. Yeah, exactly. So you can kind of wash that. Vasilevsky had 42 saves that game. He played solid. Like he was mm-hmm. like he was just he played amazing. Right? There's not often that you're going to have 43 shots on net and only put one pass. Like the goal is just you just ran into a hot goalie that night. Yeah. Not saying Vasilevsky isn't good and he just came he's played well. He just had a very good game. Yeah. And then the 2-1 goal was I think it's just if you don't let that goal in, I think it's a completely different game. A turnover in the neutral zone and a terrible defensive play by Sherratt. Like very very rookie defensive play. He just does a five by with the stick. Mm-hmm. Like I've seen kids in house hockey play better defense than this. He just does a flyby. Gujoda <laughs> skates right past him and slides it over to Blake Coleman, who scores another diving goal yeah. with 0.3 seconds left in the second. Mm-hmm. That that's, is just a crush. That's the thing, man. Yeah. Like that that's is, that was the turning point. It's like that's going to hurt them. And then if you, there's, if you play out the rest of the game, assuming that it goes. It stays the same. That goal shouldn't have been allowed if you just play correct defense. Don't if you just stay in front of Goudreau, he's not getting around you. Literally, just play in front of him, and chances are it's not a goal's not being scored. He just did a flyby, and Goudreau just like, okay, see ya, like, whatever. Um, (laughs) (laughs) The three one. See you later, nerd. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> the three-one goal is what really pissed me off. I don't know Tell if you saw you this. Really feel. Joel Edmondson, what are you doing? It's the Stanley Cup final, and you're just gonna not look and just play behind the net. Well, yeah, because the guy's supposed to be there, Jeff. <laughs> be sure of your passes. Because <laughs> think how much cooler it looks when he does a no-look pass. Yeah. If I look, I guess I'm so. like, oh, there's my buddy, and I pass. Everyone's like, you're a nerd. But if I'm just like Captain Cool, just fucking whip it behind me, and all of a sudden I'm a stud. God, everyone loves me. Yeah, so think, apparently that's the difference. You know what? That's the difference in this series. And you can break down every game, and you can look at every goal, you do all this stuff, and maybe I'll eat crow. Maybe Montreal comes back, wins this thing in seven games. Who knows? Stranger things could happen. But Montreal, if you make a stupid mistake, Tampa Bay is going to crush you. Yeah. Where it's just like, you cannot, you have, they have to play perfect hockey for three more games. Or you hope that like they're, the Lightning are playing hacky sack before the game and three of them blow an ACL. Like Kudrov Point and Vasilevsky are just like, yeah, this is having so much fun. And then (laughs) I don't know which one of them that would be. But, yeah, <laughs> and they all like one, two, three, and they all tear an ACL, and then Montreal's like, "We've got a chance," because <laughs> they're just—I don't know, man. It's it's hard enough to play a perfect game once, three more yeah. times. Be like, hey, because the thing—they go to overtime tonight. That can go either way, right? It's one yeah. one shot, one loop, one tip, one post. 
And it's then it's like, how often are you going to get those chances? And then how often are those chances yeah. going to bounce your way? Exactly. Exactly. Because Gary doesn't want the Canadians to win. He wants Tampa and Florida to win another cup. That little weasel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's all, it's an inside job. It's an inside job. I heard that bag of garbage again today, talking to Ron McLean in the most pointless <laughs> interview ever. I think the officiating has been close to perfect. Hold on, let me try and get his voice. Actually, you know, I think that it's been pretty great. You know, not 100%, but pretty close. You're like, shut up, Gary Bettman. Stop. <laughs> it's Why not. Why are you listening to this? Yeah. Why, like, no one was like, we need Gary Bettman on there to talk about officiating tonight and to tell us everything's good. You're like, shut up. Sorry to go off, but I heard that, and I was like, what a dumb waste of airtime. Yeah. Put Kevin Bieksa back on the screen. Let him talk about what's happening in the game. Yeah, because if you have if you have Batman on, you already know what answers are coming. He's not going to blatantly exactly. say There's no. And especially when Ron McLean's the guy doing the interview, yeah. who's like the biggest softball. homer towards ref too. Yeah, refs in the NHL. It's like I get it. You've got the Sportsnet has the rights, so you have to. Of course, they're going to tippy toe. You don't want to lose yeah. the rights and have the NHL be upset with you. But it's just like what a yeah. dumb. We've heard. Batman say this like a week ago. He was talking about the officiating, how great it's been when he had his little end of presser. Yeah. Exactly. But I think that was a game Montreal really wants back because they made two mistakes that they would never have made before. And it came on a night where they played their one of their best games of the playoffs because of just like the chances they created, the momentum they had. They basically they were the better team the whole entire game. I watched mm -hmm. it from like beginning to end. And they just made like stupid, uncharacteristic mistakes. And it's the two biggest mistakes they made. Tampa capitalized. Yeah, I wonder. And it's like. I wonder so. if it would be a different, like if the series, if game two, three and four would look different, if the Habs won game two, you know, like does Tampa Bay come out with way more aggression in game three and just like, curb stomp you yeah or does montreal be like we can do this and they're like built gets a little fire going and they come out like a firecracker in game three and you never know right but ends the breaks yeah because i really think they showed that they belong in game two like game two showed it's like yeah like we've played well up to this point and we are playing well in this game right now mm -hmm. we belong in this series we just have to capitalize on our scoring chances but devil's right? advocate Maybe Tampa Bay just wasn't playing very good, right? But that can but, uh, that can right, like, that hey, can Montreal also... was playing their best hockey, and you're like, well, if Tampa Bay was only playing at fifty percent that game for you know whatever reason, guys are having an off night. You're like, does does it matter if Montreal plays their best hockey? Also hard to tell if they were or not, because right, if one is just kind of dominating play, Tampa also could have not been playing well because of Montreal, and they're they have been playing well defensively. Mm -hmm. These playoffs, like sure. not amazing, obviously. So obviously, it could have been one, the reason. The reason Tampa was not playing the best could have been due to Montreal, or they could have just had an off night. It's yeah, like there's not really no, any no. way to tell. But Montreal, they wasted a good game on stupid defensive mistakes, and they lost. Game three was a different story than game two. Sure <laughs> I'll tell you that for free. Uh, -huh. uh, Tampa won six three over Montreal, uh, taking a commanding three nothing series lead. Um, it was just 
in game two, Tampa didn't necessarily capitalize on their chances, but like they capitalized on turnovers. Yeah. But in Very game three, that. Tampa capitalized on their chances and Montreal just simply didn't. Like they just couldn't get anything past. Couldn't past-. get anything going. It, yeah, they the couldn't get anything going. Andre Vasilevsky. And it was just this, it was a series of like every time like Tampa would score two, Montreal was like, oh, we cut the deficit to one. Mm-hmm. And then Tampa was like, they scored two and then like mm-hmm. they scored another one. It's like, all right, we're right back in it. And then Tampa just scores again. It's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. So like just, that's, that's the other yeah. thing that like Montreal cannot afford for Terry Price to have an off night. Yeah. You need Carey Price to play as well or better than Vasilevsky. And I know that sounds stupid because you always need your goalie to play better than the other goalie. But it's yeah. Montreal doesn't have enough talent to like, you can't match the two teams up and be like, okay, let's just play seven games and see who's the best. You're like, obviously, Tampa Bay's better. Like, there's yeah, you would have to be delusional to think like, no, no, Montreal's the better team. Like, of course they're not. If these two teams played 100 games, Tampa Bay is going to win at least 75 of those games. Yeah. Right? And that's without, like, thinking. So you need, like, Carey Price has to just pull three more of these out of his hat and just, like, be, like, you don't have to have pitch a shutout, but, like, yeah. if he lets in more than two goals, be like, is Andre Vasilevsky going to let in three or more? every game you're like yeah. probably not yeah so it's like you got a one or two is the max you can let in and then that's your only way you're gonna win <laughs> these, these i games. honestly think it could happen though like prices for sure it's yeah, carry yeah. it's playoff it's price i honestly th- i honestly think that come playoff time price is one of the best goalies to ever play in the playoffs like his playoff numbers are there like he's done it he especially in these a lot playoffs. of opportunity yeah and I th- I honestly think that he can rally a, for sure, can for sure. steal some games. I agree. Like I think he I, has the capacity yeah, to. He's one of the yeah. best in the world. But yeah. I just mean like. I if, do agree with you on that point that it's very slim chance that Vasilevsky is going to let in like mm-hmm. three or more goals. You have to, you really have to get some greasy and like greasy get in goals. his kitchen. You have yeah. to get in it. Like Corey Perry has to like. Take a couple goalie interference penalties yeah. or like spear him in the groin. Yeah, exactly. Just slash him in the neck. Like just <laughs> <laughs> take out his knees like Chris Kreider did to Price in 2014. Exactly. Like do anything. <laughs> but that's um, the thing. That's the difference is Tampa Bay, if Vasilevsky if Vasilevsky lets in three or four goals, and you were like, you don't tell me how many Tampa scored, I'd be like, oh, Tampa Bay still had a chance in that game. Yeah. But if Montreal, if Price lets in four goals, four. Or like, what are the odds that they've got five past? Right, like Tampa Bay, just because they're so much deeper and just have more top end talent. You're like, oh yeah, they can, they can outscore you if they need to. But it's just like that's where it's that's the difference is if Price isn't yeah. perfect, Montreal will lose. If Vasilevsky's perfect, Tampa wins. If he's not perfect, they might still win. Yeah. Sad, but true. But then Montreal wins game number four. Yeah, and our point is completely disproven because Vasilevsky led in three goals and Price only led in two. Hey, that is not disproven. I said if Terry Price <laughs> lets in more than two goals, they lose. <laughs> he led in two, and they won. If he led in three, they'd lose. Yeah. Three, <laughs> two, but, win. 
Um, huge game by Montreal. They came out. I, I'm actually no. They didn't necessarily come out firing because Tampa did outplay them in the first period. But it doesn't matter because Anderson was the lone goal scorer in the first period. He had nice play from Suzuki. Pass over cross crease. Anderson put it right past. Great confidence booster by Anderson. And I tweeted. I was. And I've been saying this for the whole playoff run that Anderson, as much as Price is Montreal's most important player, I think Josh Anderson is Montreal's X factor because when he plays well, he feeds off that energy and Montreal tends to just play a really good game. Like when he, like they just like play to a whole different level. They're a whole different team when Josh Anderson is leading the charge. When he's having a dud game, then it's like hard to find that spark from someone else. But when Josh Anderson's playing well and bringing the speed and energy and like contributing on the score sheet, Montreal's a very, very good team. Josh Anderson is everything that we always hoped Jake Vertanen would be. Exactly. (laughs) Right? Uh, Exactly. He's tough. He scores in timely moments. He's a great teammate. He's that he can be like a he's a spark plug for your team. And I agree. I don't like, is he their most important skater? You're like, probably not. I don't think so. Like he is great and he can provide like that bit of spark just because he has that bit of edge to his game. He's like JT Miller essentially, but he doesn't score as many points, but it's like, yeah, he, if he's on, they've got a chance. The problem with Montreal is they don't have like, they don't have enough high end talent that we're like, if this guy's not on tonight, like if, Nick Suzuki's having a bad game. You're like, yeah. who's generating offense for them? Yeah. Like, Tyler Toffoli has a bad game. You're like, who's scoring goals for you? Where it's like, Caulfield's also a common tat discussion as well yeah. because oh, of the playoffs he's be had. So good. It's wild. He's so I love nasty. that so many teams pass on. They're like, little people can't score in the NHL. And you're like, it's been happening for years. Hey, including Vancouver. Yeah. Like, hey. I have no problem with us picking Pod Colson. Pod Colson yeah, was supposed too. to be a top three pick in that draft. And then it got later in the season. People were concerned with the Russian contract. And I think that's why he slipped. He's going to be a guy that I don't think he'll put up as many points probably as Caulfield. But I think he's going to be Josh Anderson. Yeah. Like, I, I do think I do think we have enough Caulfields on our team that we need well, hold, 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 hold on. Well, obviously not enough. enough of anything. <laughs> well, obviously not enough, but we have like Besser, Patterson, Hoglander. Like we have goal scores, score. but three but goal we scores. Need we more, have three goal scores. But we need more guys yeah. like Pod Coles in our team than Caulfield, is what I'm saying. They can actually, yeah, like we need more yeah. edge. We need they more do, edge. Because all they have edge wise is like you got JT Miller, and then you have kind of Bo Horvat sometimes when he's like, Playing that kind of game, but otherwise they Antoine don't. Roussel, like, who just he's can't a make bum. A <laughs> he got hurt, and I don't even blame him for being washed. He's just washed. He had that injury; hasn't been the same since. Yeah, and like yeah. Jay Beagle's supposed to be healthy to come back for camp next year. Like crap. All right, was hoping we could damn it dump you on IR, but here we are. <laughs> Yay! Three and a half million dollars against the cap that we don't have. Excellent. Okay, Caulfield, X Factor, Josh Anderson. That's what I think, we were. I think Cole we Caulfield's the their biggest X factor. Like, really? Suzuki drives like their center. Like, I know Phil Deneau, he's like their shutdown guy and he's great, but like, Suzuki is like that sick pass he had to Anderson on that first goal. 
you're like, what the hell is that? Like, he is yeah. good. He's going to be great yeah. for them. And that he's so good. Like he's going to be like a Bergeron. They have no business winning the Stanley Cup this year. Like, no way. Like, no one looked at this team and was like, on, like even on paper, like before the yeah. season started, I was like, oh, Montreal will definitely make the playoffs in the North Division. I thought Toronto was the best. And then I was like, toss up, maybe like, and it was like Montreal, like Winnipeg and Edmonton were like the next three. We're like, I don't know the order this is going to go in. Yeah. But when they got in, you're like, okay, but like nobody expects them to win the Stanley Cup this year. So if they lose, which they should and will probably, like I'd put all the money on them losing the cup. <laughs> I said Tampa and six. Yeah. Hey, if yeah. Montreal can push them to six, good for Montreal. This should be a like, learning year. They have a lot of young players. Yeah. Or it's like, yeah, yeah, give Caulfield a full year in the a, a year in the NHL. Like Suzuki has another full season. You're like, yeah, look at these guys. You've got yeah. good players on decent contracts and Anderson. You've got Toffoli. Uh, Deneau's coming up. He's probably gone, but yeah, the yeah. defense they need to add. They need to add some more skill. Hopefully, Romanov can be. Romanov or whatever. I I do think he, and that's a good segue because I did want to bring this up. Uh, I want to say a big congratulations to Romanov because he got his first ever NHL playoff goal tonight. Was the two one goal, and I I think he's I think he's going to be the truth. Like obviously he's not going to be like like a he's Victor Hedman play type guy. He's an offensive but I th- provider. I think. He's gonna be a solid like second line like defenseman, like top four defenseman. I think he's gonna be solid. He's a guy that you pair with like a Chris Tanevi type. Right? I haven't where it's like yeah. he's driving your play and he's like he doesn't have to be as defensively responsible. Yeah. He's like their shittier Quinn Hughes. Yeah. Right? Where it's like, yeah, every team needs because Montreal, like their top four, they don't have offensive like Weber, he's uh, an offensive defenseman. He's got a I, I disagree. Of a shot, but like Petrie, like decent, but not like. I think I, I think Petrie's a good. I think he's a good offensive defenseman. I wouldn't. He's say gotten that. like, I think he's gotten like fifty points the past few years. Like he's, he's great. I just don't think of him in like. I don't think of him in that light. You know what I mean? Like as a, from from the past few years, I actually kind of have. Like, I don't think he's like a Quinn Hughes where he's like all offense. He's more like two-way defender. But I think he's able to drive a power play. Like he's, I think like, you know yeah, You can set him on your power play for sure. Yeah. But he is nobody's first choice to run. You know what I mean? Like, he's not, I, yeah, I'm I, not driving. I think of like an yeah. NHL team like trying to like put together like an ideal lineup. Petrie is like the perfect guy who he runs your second power play. Yeah, where it's like I can see that Alex Edler put up around forty to fifty points once upon a time too. You're like that's Petrie's like a super solid two way guy who can move the puck. Yeah, but like he's not the guy I want. He's not my ideal choice to quarterback the power player. Like that's those are the guys that I think Montreal like Romanov can fill that void for them. Where it's like yeah, yeah he can be even if he's like your number five guy. You're like perfect. We can play you some sheltered minutes start you in the offensive zone. You can play on the power play. And then Petrie's more of like a, he's Petrie's just a better defenseman. So he does everything yeah. for you. You're like, yeah. great. It's hard to find guys that can legitimately do it all. Look at Vancouver. We've been trying for years to bring somebody in that can do it all. Cause Alex Edler is 200 years old. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, that's good. But um, Price was stellar this game. He uh, he was solid. He didn't make any like outstanding saves. He got mm-hmm. help from the post on one play, but every goal has gotten help that. from the post. Um, yeah, Price was just solid. He made all the saves he had to. Um, he was extremely calm the whole entire game. He didn't. He just grabbed his water ball when they won in overtime. Because when you think about it, Montreal, you haven't won anything yet. Obviously, you won the like game one, but it's like there's still a lot of work to do. You don't want to be like celebrating now. It's just oh, like, yeah. hey, you made it. You made it out of game four. Mm-hmm. Let's go get him in game five. Price is all business right now, but yep, Price did his job. He was unreal, and uh, yeah. Going back to Tampa for Game Five, it's a uh, it's gonna be a good one, and I think this episode comes out on the day of Game Five. So if Montreal loses, then, then all just don't listen to nothing. this part. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. This isn't the episode exactly. for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, I wanted to also, so yeah, well, um, I'm gonna discuss more of this series. Um, next episode with the Speaker Peace Boys and Brandon Goff. I'm gonna do an in-person podcast. We're playing golf at Furry Creek on Whoa, Saturday. Oh, very yeah. nice. Yeah, it's gonna be a good Talk day. About a so hole and fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh. So we're gonna we're gonna play golf and play some road hockey and then watch the McGregor fight and then record a pod. So it's gonna that's be a good. Solid. One. That's a solid yeah. day, actually. That's a, a great solid day. day. It's a solid day. So Jeb's big day out. Oh yeah, hundred percent. So, the NHL awards, the final five came out, as well as the first and second All Star team. So I'm gonna run through all of them, and I want to hear your opinions. I'll do the awards, hear your opinions, do the teams, okay. then hear your opinions. Okay, so don't jump the don't jump the gun. Lightning idiot. round. Lightning round. <laughs> I've done the so heart, much prep. The heart goes to McDavid. Obviously. Lindsay goes to McDavid. I feel like these two awards are stupid that they have separate ones. Like I know the players vote on one and then like the voting, the media, the journal, whatever the thing is, the PWHJ. I don't know. The writers. Yeah. 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 Professional hockey writers association. Ah, got it. Um, So yeah, McDavid, I do know fun fact that this was the first time in a while that it was uh, for the heart that it was everybody voted for him for first place. unanimous yeah like a unanimous first place winner like oh crap i can't remember who it was i read it earlier today but it's the first time in like a couple decades that someone's been a unanimous winner it's like obviously like you could say other guys could win it but connor mcdavid he had what 20 more points than the next guy this year he yeah he had like 105 and 50 games like that's absurd silly he's so good yeah all right so anyways yeah no problem. So, with that. happy. Lindsay, yeah. great. It should be the same award. Here we are. Yeah. Um, the Norris goes to Adam Fox. Love it. And here's why. Me because too. It's the, right. here's it's my the pick. writers moving away from like it always being like Shea Weber or Victor. Victor. Hedman, Hedman. Right. Yeah. We're just like, just because we know those names, like, no, a young guy can win it. Adam Fox was unreal. He was Rangers like he put year. he put the Rangers on his back like when when they were bad he was like the only bright spot to his team yeah, and when they were so good, good he added to it like him? Every, in the first the first two years 
everyone was talking about Makar Hughes, and then there's this little guy named Adam Fox trickling in the background, and now he's the first to win the Norris out of the right? three. Last year, and when he's they had arguably the, Calder, the like, best. He should have gotten more love for the Calder last year. Yeah, and didn't, and Makar gets it, and like that's fair. But yeah, now I love that it's Fox, Makar, and hopefully Hughes next year rounds his game a bit more. The Canucks suck a little bit less because yeah. those three, it's you love to see like, and none of those guys are like big, typical number one defenseman you know what i mean yeah like so i i love that you get to see the game move in that direction and even better that you get a whole gang of mostly white mostly a bit older hockey writers that are like no adam fox legit he's the winner this year so like hopefully you get to see a bit more of that yeah you don't have the same names every year yeah exactly and now it just like brings like instead of mccarver's hughes now it's like all three of them are kind right. of like And then I think the surprise guy that might, well, hopefully that Rasmus Dahlin in Buffalo, if Buffalo can ever get their shit together. I feel so, so bad for and him. And then uh, what is he? Uh, Meryl Heiskanen in yeah. Dallas. You're like, he's just, he, just he's arguably the best out of all of them. He's just had, he had like an injury filled and COVID filled year last yeah, year. And he was a tough year for Dallas. Still, yeah. But like, he's arguably first or second out of all five of them because exactly. he's big fast and well defended like yeah it's crazy the young talent coming up especially on defense but uh the vesna goes to flurry fine um, i don't i don't use my I, pick i don't he's know my what pick. all the stats were but i think he had the most impressive year considering last year and how it was like they were in the off season even they were about ready to like they were going to retain on him to get rid of him yeah, they were, they like, were giving we up like it. first round picks to get rid and of And then him, they so. couldn't get it done. And then he just comes out and he plays lights out. Robin Leonard is hurt. And so it's like you couldn't even spell him. And he just, yeah, I'm happy with that pick. I love Flurry. Yeah. yeah, me too. Um, And the Calder goes to Kirill the Thrill, which I don't think was no a other surprise choice. to anyone. As, yeah. That was less of a surprise than Connor McDavid winning the heart. Like, who yeah. else were you going to give it to? This fully grown I think, man came in and was yeah. like, I'm the best yeah. rookie. And you're like, you're 26. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, the rules. Yeah. But I also do think Jason Robertson on Dallas had a really good year. But Definitely would have won probably if he yeah. wasn't playing against the guy yeah. who's been stewing I, in the KHL yeah. for, forever. I also think like with Kaprizov, since it's like media, you can have the same amount of points. But if you have more highlights. Oh, yeah. You're winning it. Mm-hmm. It's just like it's facts. So it's like if you're more flashy and you get like a little bit more points, then you're probably gonna win. Yeah, he has some highlight like, goals, and that's what this yeah. guy was. Yeah, it's facts. So I love the rumors uh, that he might like he doesn't want to be in Minnesota. <laughs> he yeah. wants out. You're like, oh, that's rough. That'd be so tough if you're a Minnesota fan. He just pulls a Kovalchuk and just signs in the KHL for like eight years and he's then like, comes back when he's 32. Or I will leave to the K. Like, yeah. Better trade him. Yeah. He'll sign like a 13 year deal all front loaded and then leave right. after a year. <laughs> and he goes like, that's not allowed. Give us a <laughs> But um, the first all-star team also was released. Vasilevsky. Uh, over the South. Adam Fox? Like it doesn't matter. I announced it last episode. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, just was, to I, say, already... I think Barkov might be the most underappreciated player in the NHL. That's all I wanted to yeah. say. I think he's gotten a little bit more appreciated because he was already at that point. Is is underrated different than underappreciated? 
feel like they kind of go hand in hand. I think just because he plays in Florida, he doesn't get the love. If he was in Vancouver or New York or one of the big market Toronto, teams or Canadian market, people would go ape shit for this guy. Because I think he has the Matt Stafford effect. I think he's been talked about so much that he's underrated and underappreciated that he's just become rated. You think in so? In my opinion. I guess. I think he's, I think just he's like, been talked about being underrated for like five years now, I swear. Like it's been... So it's like almost like everyone like general hype yeah. and love that like he's also in Florida and they have exactly. like the, they're the worst city in the, in the world. It's they're like they're such they're such a nasty team and they fill up half the freaking arena every game. It's yeah, like they, yo, you get free hot dogs when you go to games there. It's great. Yeah, <laughs> it's absurd. But yeah, I did talk about okay. uh, Barkov winning the South. Sorry, listeners, I didn't know uh, last my episode, dad. but it's okay. I I like to get your opinion because I do think Barkov like he's so nasty. Like he's it's it's he's unfair really he's so he's like big new so skilled Bergeron. yeah so the finish yeah it, it's, it's not going to be a surprise to see him win the selkie for more years mm-hmm. um in the future get but more hype for the Lindsay or the heart you know like like this year yeah, no but i mean exactly. like in general I, that's yeah. what i want to see that's, that's where i want that's what i mean by underappreciated it's like oh well he got the selkies defensively okay, yeah. like what no he's one of the best players yeah i agree with that i agree with that um, the first all-star team, Vasilevsky, Fox, Makar, McDavid, Marner, and Marchand. Is it weird that the Vesna winner didn't get first all-star team? hundred percent. I'm assuming he's on the second all-star team. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Is it but different like, voters? I don't know, it but it doesn't be. make sense. It's gotta be different voters because it would be yeah. so wild for me to be like, and number one for the Vesna is Marc-Andre Fleury and starting for the all-star team, mm, Andre Vasilevsky. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> yeah, it was weird but i mean as long as he made the other all-star team it's not that yeah. weird it's okay but it's but still it's like you beat vasilevsky in voting for the best goalie in the league and then he just gets he's on the best all-star team i mean like, i'd okay. rather win a vesna than get named to the nhl all-star team one so i mean i mean same here yeah he's same here not, but you know vasilevsky's probably about to win a second cup in a row but whatever flurry's got a few he's fine yeah, he's chilling. Uh, second all-star team, Fleury, Hedman, Hamilton, Matthews, Rantanen, Huberdo. No McKinnon. Yeah. Uh, no Barkov. Yeah. Feel- um, I guess, like, because Huberdo, they needed to fill a winger spot, so Barkov loses yeah. him because Matthews yeah. gets it. And you're like, all right. And I guess... And at also McKinnon. It's nitpicking. We're nitpicking yeah. for like the center yeah. spot at least because you're like maybe Drysidle yeah. should be better than Matthews. That's true. But were they going to go like, David Drysidle down the middle and be like both yeah. Edmonton guys are the best? And like <laughs> they probably just wanted to switch it up, makes more franchises yeah. happy. And also McKinnon, I guess he was like maybe hurt, but he was also nominated for the heart. So like I don't really know. Also, no Crosby. He was nominated for the Ted Lindsay, and he's not in one of these things. So yeah, it's very weird. So it has to be different not a voters. Kid anymore, it's you know? this, yeah. But like Crosby's nominated for the Lindsay and he's not in one of the All Star teams. It's that's the thing. I don't know. I don't know. It's fine. It's, it's yeah. It's kind of weird. All Star awards. But um, moving on from that. Uh, moving on up. The Abbotsford Canucks is the thing now. How yeah. do you feel about that? You know, I okay. I get it. It yeah. is a chance to extend your branding. You say the same. We're the Vancouver Canucks. This is our farm team. They're the Abbotsford Canucks. I get it. Like, I understand merch, all that stuff. 
they can take the little V for Vancouver and hopefully flip it upside down to make an A. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like have yeah. it look like that and do a couple things. I get it. But you disappointed your fans so much this year, right? The team underperformed or they just overperformed last so much last year that this was a regular performance, but it seemed like an underperformance. You lost you let players that people like walk in free agency and you know what that's fine like cap space is a thing i don't i think signing march to do that deal would have been bad i didn't want to bring yeah. tanf back to that deal whatever but it's like you let to fully go when you traded a second and a good prospect for him tyler madden who maybe could have been and... our 3c next year but now we don't have him and then he walks in free agency and you re-sign jake for tannin for some reason even though he's been bad for the last few years <gasps> he was on pace for 20 goals the year before you're like great he's not smart he's dumb he's not yeah, great the, at thinking about hockey the fact that is like he had a career high in points last year oh how much did he get 36 it's right? like okay it's not like bro, he was a like, beater so like you they do all these things and then they don't spend and then you let your coach dangle in the wind all year and then same with your other coaches that you're going to bring back and everyone knows that jim benning doesn't seem like he's a great gm but they keep him around all year they do all these things and your franchise is like ah you could have taken this moment to be like here's a creative and fun new thing that we want to do and we're going to name them the abbotsford arrows or whatever like they had a bunch of aviation themed things that all sounded kind of cool yeah you could have done like a fan submitted like hey submit your logo and like we're gonna hopefully go with something the fans want like they could have done yeah, some stuff that would like be cool try and rejuvenate and put a little more because... goodwill back in their pocket and they were like nah because... canucks <laughs> suck it pigs because if you see like a lot of farm games it's very kid friendly a lot of kids go to them because it's affordable tickets yeah mind you do you think the games are going to be in abbotsford or is it going to be in like the langley event center or no something? the abbotsford has a full-on newish okay. arena they're out in they're going to be okay. playing out in abbotsford so you're going to get people from abbotsford mission chilliwack maple ridge langley like I, yeah. you're not going to get a lot of people huffing it out from vancouver yeah nobody no. who lives in vancouver is gonna be like Oh yeah, I'm gonna drive for an hour and a bit to Abbotsford to watch yeah. this game tonight. Less than. So it's like you could have made yeah. it something that was like totally Fraser Valley's own thing. Yeah. Cause like, yeah, like you said, very like fan interactive. A lot of like fans that would have interacted in the name change or mm -hmm. name choice would be attending the Abbotsford games. Exactly. So it'd be kind of cool to say, like, hey, I'm going to a game where I helped pick a name. But now you just branded the Canucks, but then your team slogan, we are all Canucks. Fine. Cause yeah, of... Vancouver Canucks, we're all Canucks yeah. over here. And this is our farm team. It could yeah. have just been like, you could have had like names or even if they had the Canucks as a thing where they're like, Hey, we have four names that we're happy with. Yeah. Here you go fans vote, vote for your favorite of these four names. The winner is going to be the new name of our AHL franchise. Perfect. Logos, submit your logos. We're going to rifle through them all. Hey guys, here's, four logos which one do you think is the best because you like you get trolls and stuff who are going to be like oh a dumb one we'll pick the ugliest one but your majority of people who vote on things for this isn't going to be that you think is dumb and the team's already going yeah. to approve three or four designs and names so it's like if you're fine like make it make it feel like it's the fans team but instead yeah, they're just like exactly. no it's the abbotsford canucks i bet you their jerseys are going to look the exact same as the canucks the logos are all it's all gonna be the same it's gonna be lazy and just like boring 
No, I, uh, I, I agree, uh, but there's a couple trade rumors that ooh. came out. Uh, Duncan Keith of the Chicago Blackhawks. He has been in talks with the Chicago organization to right. work out a trade. Duncan and wants to it's win been, again. It's been a while for yeah. him. And it's been rumored that he wants to come to the Pacific Northwest or like Western Canada area. West Coast, best per, coast makes sense. Per Elliot Friedman. Uh-huh. Um, there hasn't been any like speculation on what teams he would go to or our favorite to get him. But uh, I have a couple teams in mind that Throw them at me. might reach out for him. I'll yell at you uh, if you're Seat- wrong. Seattle. Here's why I don't buy that one. I mean, yeah, Vegas competed right away, and you're like, they're one of the best teams in the league. But you're like, that's not usually what happens in an expansion team. That Duncan Keith, like, I, yeah, if he wants to come to the West, his options are limited. There's only, like, Winnipeg, Calgary, Vancouver, Seattle. Or really, you're only kind of, like, West-ish teams like it's a small pot but does he think seattle's gonna be a winner out of the gate yeah i mean i think it might just be a team where it's like maybe it's vegas 2.0 on paper everyone thought vegas was gonna suck in their first year and then they were great so maybe that happens but i i lean less into that one i have a team in my mind that i think is the most sense so we'll see if you get to it i i said edmonton is my second team that's my number one team for him yeah. Well, like, I, I didn't have it in order. I just had two teams. I think Edmonton's oh. the more favorable choice, mm-hmm. but I just threw Seattle because I wrote it down first. That's fair. But I think Edmonton is the most It makes favorable. the most sense. It's Western just, yeah, Canada. Yeah, it does. They're of the team I'm pretty sure... in the in the PNW that have a chance. Yeah. They have the biggest chance to win now. What's their biggest hurdle? It seems like they just can't get that, like, motivation over the hump. They don't yeah. have winning experience. They don't have a guy... Duncan Keith is still a serviceable NHL defenseman. He can still skate. He's not putting up the points he used to, but he's 38 years old or something like that, 39. He's, a, he's old. Yeah, he's an old guy, old man Keith. But it makes sense. If they can make the cap work for him, because Keith has two yeah. years left at 5.8. Yeah. not wild. Like, he's not no. vastly underperforming his contract. And, but And it might also be a point where Chicago's like, we'll retain. Yeah. We'll hold back back one or two million. You get them for 3.8. And then it's like, you give us back an asset. Like, I don't know what Chicago thinks they're going to get back for him. But no, I was going to say Ethan Bear, but no, he's too young. But (laughs) sorry. Bless you. But maybe like a pick, a prospect. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Second second round pick. Yeah. Second round pick pick for him. No. But yeah. No. But like, I think sense. it could really help Edmonton. I think it'll like be like when stuff. Matt Sundin came to Vancouver. <laughs> it was like, Ugh. hey guys, hey Sundin. What a waste of time that was. No, he, in a sense, yes, but he was such. I think he was such a great impact and like a guy who. The when young was guys he on our team? From. He was on our team in like two thousand and six, seven, that eight. I don't. Think... I don't know. It was. Like, I think 2009. It was like two years before the run he came out. Wait, okay. He was Gillis. Let me check. Right? It was one of Gillis's like first moves, wasn't it? Oh, man. Am I just Matt way off Sundin base? It seems like connects. forever ago. I don't know. I'm very curious now. Matt Sundin, Hockey DB. Here we uh, go. Yeah, searching that up right now. Come on. 2008, 2009. Hey! There you go. 
Excellent. Uh, He's the smartest man alive, ladies and gentlemen. That's why he has yeah. a podcast, and I'm simply a guest. This ain't a hobby, folks. Yeah, his last year. But from everything like I've read about him is that he like it was invaluable to like the Sedins and Kessler and like you yeah. have a guy who's been around and been one of the best in the league for so long. And also he had 28 points in 41 games. It's not like he yeah. did nothing here. Yeah. He had eight points in eight playoff games for us that year. And, and, and that's he the scored kind of that impact that a Duncan Keith could have. And he scored that cool shootout goal against Toronto. Yeah. Was that his first game? Oh no, it was his first game against Toronto. That's I don't know cool. if it was his first game. But it was the first game playing against yeah. Toronto. Yeah. And he was like, yeah. in Toronto. In Toronto, yeah, I think. It was hilarious. I remember yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. It was cool. But yeah, uh, another one coming out of Vancouver. Ooh. Uh Nate Schmidt yeah. is rumored to one out. Mm-hmm. Not really surprised. I don't blame he him. Went from, he went from a contender to Vancouver and yeah. he didn't sign that contract terrible, with us. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, terrible year. He's has he's at five point nine AAV with four years left. Mm-hmm. Um, I have four teams Ooh. that could maybe um make I'll a jump at him. Disagree with all of them. Throw them at me. What do you got? Okay. Um, this is my order from best to least. Okay. The Bruins. Do you have an idea of what you think you would get coming back? Or are we just throwing out team teams? DeBrusque. Okay. DeBrusque is kind of rumored to be For sure. out of Boston. Here's why I think that's... You finish your list. I'll, I'll, I'll yell at you in a minute. This one, <laughs> it depends on where they're currently at. If they feel they got one more year in them. Mm-hmm. Or if they're just going to press the reset button. But I said Pittsburgh. That was my guess for you, yeah. When you said one more run, I was like, what's a team that's been good and is yeah. like should probably yeah. just blow it up soon? It's like, yeah. It, it, it just it, know, baby. Main, it mainly depends on like maybe they can squeeze a few more years out of Gino and Crosby because Gino was kind of hurt. Crosby, well, I was like, maybe they can get an offensive defenseman. Typically fits Pittsburgh's system. Yep. Maybe it'll work. I it mainly depends on where they're at. Mm-hmm. Uh, my third team is Philadelphia. Okay. They need help on the back end, and then Florida because they were rumored to want him last off season and nothing happened. Okay. So those are my four teams. Here's so why you can yell at me now. I haven't even thought about where you would send Nate Schmidt so far because yeah, he had a bad year here this year. Everybody had a bad year. Did any Canuck, like, outside of Hoaglander, was any Canuck this year, you're like, man, what a great year. No, nobody. Horvat was fine. Miller was fine. Besser, Besser was the other guy. Besser and Hoaglander were my two. The only reason why I'm going to say this name is just because of his comparison to his first season with the Canucks, and that's Tyler Myers, because he actually had a half-decent year. But that's only because he played so shit his first year. Fine. He didn't have to play outstanding in yeah. his second year. Everyone to have thought he was going to be terrible, and instead he was just bad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So like, that's, that's why I'm mean. saying right? he played above expectation, but his expectation wasn't high. This whole team was ass this year for the most part. There's three, maybe four bright spots on a yeah. 23-man roster. Terrible. Yeah. So Nate Schmidt's value will never be lower than it is right now. Yeah. Okay. Now, if the Canucks trade Nate Schmidt, 
Who's left on their defense? Quinn Hughes, Tyler Myers, maybe Alex Edler again, who still has to play top four minutes for this team, even though he shouldn't be anymore. No. You have Jack Rathbone, who ha- we showed, showed bright promised. spots. Sure. But you're like, okay, yeah. Ole U Levy, not very Jet good. Wu? Right? You're Jet like, Wu, maybe? They don't. Yeah. So if you trade Nate Schmidt, you're like, well, that's a huge, like, okay, well, it opens up 5.8 million. You're like, okay, who are they bringing in to fill that spot? Yeah. Is it going to be somebody, are you going to improve on Nate Schmidt? So it's like, are you packaging Nate Schmidt with your ninth overall pick to bring in a better defenseman from a team that, hmm. right? Like, what is the Canucks going to do? The, uh, I think the only reason that they why hold I on s- to him. The only reason why is because, like, maybe he just forces his way out just because he wants out. It's not like we put him on the trade block and he wants to stay. It's more like he is rumored to want out of Vancouver, so that's why I think they just might try and get whatever value for him. And here's where having a good general manager comes comes into play. play. Because a good general manager, if it's true that Nate Schmidt wants out of Vancouver, right, and he's gone and he's talked to the brass, and he's like, Jim... I don't want to be here. This sucks. Then a good GM goes to him and says, listen, man, your value on the market isn't great right now. All right. We're not going to be able to get something valuable enough that we would trade you for, right? We're getting pieces that are worse than you back. That doesn't make sense on our end. So listen, we hear you loud and clear. You don't want to play in Vancouver anymore. You want to go play in X, Y, or Z, whatever. We're bringing you into the season. Yeah, if someone offers us a deal that knocks their socks off, sure, you got it. We'll send you out of here. But you have a good year. Hey, we're going to get a better deal for you. We'll move you out. It's a talk you can have behind closed doors, man-to-man, and say, this is what's up. We're not going to trade you right now because we're not going to trade you for pennies on the dollar. Yes, I know the Canucks only paid, what was it, third-round pick? Fifth. A third and a fifth. I think they gave up a third. It wasn't just a fifth. Maybe it was a third. Either way, you gave up way less than what Nate Schmidt is worth to get. It was a third. It was a third. It was a third. You're right. Right? So it's like you gave that up. So I know they didn't give up a lot to get him, but you shouldn't be in the business of like, well, we're just trying to get back what we gave up. Because like, well, that's not how you should ever do anything. It's Jack and the Beanstalk. It's that stupid thing in the office where you're trading the beans to try and get the better thing at the sale at the end of the thing. (laughs) That's what they should be doing. So Nate Schmidt has no business demanding a trade this year because he had 15 points. Yeah. Nate Schmidt, if you had 30 points this year, hey, maybe we're talking about a little bit of a different story. But 15 points isn't going to make me go, hey, what team out there wants this $5.9 million defenseman that got 15 points last year? Who's going to give me a first-round pick? Everyone's going to be like, sit down and shut up, Jim. Yeah. So I think... If the Canucks move in this offseason, like if they package him with something or whatever, that's different. But like a straight up trade for Nate Schmidt, I don't see it. It doesn't make it from the Canucks point of view. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, because the Canucks are trying to rebuild. It's not like when Kessler was like, I want out. I want a chance to win. And they're like, all right, we'll take we'll take whatever we can get for you because you've made it very public. You want out. You've only given us two teams to choose from. So here we'll take what we can get. Like, no, the Canucks aren't blowing it up or rebuilding. Yeah. They're they're trying, they shouldn't be, but they're trying to win right now. Yeah. So it's like, why would you give up a, a in his prime age defenseman 
on a down year. It's silly. Silly. Yeah. yeah. So uh, that is the rest of our hockey talk. Hockey and... talk done. Let's put it on ice. <laughs> but um, uh, the NBA. Um, we'll quickly run through this, and then we'll bring Flipping in our boy Johnny. Exactly. So we'll start off with the Suns defeat the Clippers in six games to move yeah. on to the NBA Finals. Chris Paul advances to his first ever NBA Finals. Super uh, do you think um, the Clippers win this series if Kawhi is healthy? I think that this series is definitely a toss-up with Kawhi in this series. I think it could have gone either way with Kawhi. You knew that without Kawhi, they weren't going to win. Like, it would have taken a Suns collapse because Paul George, or as he likes to call himself, playoff, playoff. P. Yeah. <laughs> so pumped. I, every time he loses, it makes me smile. My, my hope for this series was that he's playing super well and like they get to a game seven and it's like Kawhi's out. So it's like, it's all playoff P it's all on you, George. And it gets to game seven and it's like three, two, one, and they're tied. And it's like, or they're down by, they're down by one or two points. And this is his shot to win the game. And he just puts up a brick. Yeah. That's what I wanted, but I'm happy with the Suns going forward. I think that without, with Kawhi. Yeah, definitely. The Suns were I'll never put an asterisk on a team that wins a championship because you had to win the championship. You had to win 16 games to get there. Yeah. But they played the Lakers in the first round. AD played almost no minutes and you know, LeBron was hurt. So, okay, you beat them. Round two, you get to play who? The Denver Nuggets. Who's not playing? They're second best player. You're like, okay. So like you go past that team. You're like third round. All right, here we go. You play the Clippers and Kawhi Leonard is out. Yeah. Best player off the team you're like all right well this is going to be your first first series playing a healthy team healthy-ish and now they're in the finals against Giannis and the Bucks and Giannis is and Giannis is doubtful for game one so I thought he he was going to play I thought I read today that he's likely to play was I I I misread I thought I read something that he was doubtful but I could totally be wrong gap between us yeah 100 questionable would be in the middle uh, Bucks, Giannis and Tutacumpo listed as doubtful for game one of the NBA Finals three Big hours yikes. ago. All right. Well, but, uh, but yeah, I had the Suns-Bucks uh, Finals. Um, I had the Suns beating the Clippers with or without Kawhi. Yep. So I'm happy for Booker and Chris Paul and Monty Williams. I think the... You got against DeAndre Ayton. You know, yeah. like, you know, I'm happy for him too. No, I'm just... You don't like I... tall guys? DeAndre Ayton, I like you. Please come on the podcast. Yeah, this um, is DeAndre. Yeah. Uh, the Bucks defeat the Hawks in six games as well. Um, yeah. I'm not going to say an asterisk on this, on the Bucks winning, because they had Giannis without, they had, yeah. they didn't have Giannis for more games than the Hawks didn't have Trey Young. So, exactly. Fair. Fair and square. Yeah. And Brooke Lopez went off for 33 in game six. He sure right did. Right when they needed him. Uh, he what a game. entered he entered Giannis mode, and I mean the Hawks. This was such and Bobby a bright, Portis Jr. Yeah, <laughs> for the Hawks, Team this was mother. like an exceptional year for them. A lot of bright spots because I think not just Trey Young, but the Hawks were built really well this year. Yeah, the uh, Hawks they are just, like the Habs this year. Yeah. No one thought you no. thought they were going to lose round one for sure to the Knicks, and then but they won, I, and then round two you're like you're going to lose now, and then they beat Philly. Yeah. Wait, no. Yeah. Was it Philly? Yeah. Yeah. 
And then you go in and you're like, you put a pretty good fight up against the Bucks, Bucks who yeah. are definitely better than you. They're just a little deeper, you know? No, yeah. I think uh, I have a lot of respect for the Hawks because they played really well. And I think a lot of people actually did have the Hawks beating Philly. They had a lot of teams beating the Knicks. They had a lot of teams with them went beating the Knicks and Philly had a lot of a lot of people hadn't beaten the Bucks. So I think a lot of respect was put on the Hawks name going forward. Mm-hmm. And especially Trey Young. He's developing into a like a killer. superstar. Like yeah, Long absolute cold. killer. So he's such a little asshole out there. It's great. Yeah. I, I love it. I love it. He's he's embracing it, which is what I I love most. But right? um no, it's so very that, like a little bit of like Kobe or like that Reggie Miller sort of like yeah. just that little bit of like extra feeds off it almost. Yeah. Right? The more you boo him, the more he's like, Hell yeah. Exactly. That's exactly it. But um Suns Bucks final. Yep. Um here we go. How do you how do you kind of line this up? Who do you got? And yeah, just what's your consensus overall? If Giannis can't play, the Suns are gonna win. Drew Holiday is good, and middle Chris, Chris Middleton, Middleton. Thank you. Uh, also good, right? It's like if you're if I'm ranking the players, the top six players in the series, right? Giannis is the best, and then. Devin Booker's probably the next best. Then I'd probably want Chris Paul. Yep. And then I'd probably want Middleton, Holiday, Aiton. I is how rather, I would put them. Just I would because like Holiday the experience Mil- and they're yeah. Fair. You'd I'd rather, rather Holiday, Holiday than Middleton. O- yeah, but same order nonetheless. Right. So like, it's like you take Giannis out of there. If you can't go, you're like, I like Milwaukee's overall team depth better than the Suns. I yeah. think they're a better team all around. If you take the top three guys off of each team and you were like, everyone else gets to play, I think the Bucks win. But with no Giannis, if Giannis can't go, and I mean, like, he hyperextended his knee, no structural damage. It'll be like a week off for game one since he's played. So you're like, if he misses game one, you're hoping he's like, if he's not... I don't know, man. With no Giannis, the Suns are going to win this series. With Giannis, I think it's close. I'll take the Bucks in seven. I so I kind of had like matchups here. So mm-hmm. I got like Paul versus Drew, and I yeah. think Drew is like he's a good lockdown defender, and Chris For Paul sure. is a great playmate facilitator. But I'd rather take Paul because yep. just like I think he's more consistent. Mm-hmm. I got Booker versus Middleton. I'm taking Booker because. Fair. To me, I think Middleton is Milwaukee's X factor. When he has a good game, the Bucks tend to do well, no matter yeah. whether Giannis could put up a forty-point triple double. But if Middleton's going two for sixteen, then like the Bucks are losing. And then, but if he does well, they're doing exceptional. But overall, I think the bench scoring is going to be a big part in the series, and I just think. The Suns have shown up more, so I got Suns winning in seven. With Giannis playing? Yes. Ooh, bold. That's fair. I think like it'll it can go either way. I don't think this one has a big favorite going yeah. into the series. It's I think the Suns were number one in the West this year. And Suns the are Bucks two. 
Suns were two, and the Bucks yeah. were two, two or three. three. So it's like coming in, it's pretty equal. So I think here, hold on, let me change my audio settings here. Let me bump out of these mic settings. So bear with me, bear with me for a moment. Okay, can you hear us? Yeah. All right. There we go. These these headphones are so wetty. <laughs> Audio podcast. It'll be fine. You fix it in post. John, I'm keeping this in. Yeah. <laughs> Johnny, how's it going? Good, buddy. How you doing? I'm great. Great to have you. Good to be here, man. Nice to see you. You're looking better as always. Well, I look about the same as always. Well, <laughs> super handsome folks. Oh, thanks, buddy. Oh, I love that. Pardon me? How's the sports talk going? It's going good. We are just about to, uh, we both gave our NBA finals pick, so we're ready to move into... I'd love to hear what you guys. I, said, I yeah, you go. You ahead, go first. Jeff. You hit it. Okay, so I think uh, just matching up Paul versus Drew, Booker versus Middleton, Aiden versus Giannis. I think Giannis is injured with an injury that is kind of like it's like wear and tear. Like the more you work it, the more it's gonna aggravate. So I think he's gonna play in limited minutes, and I just think. I take Paul over Drew, Booker over Middleton, Giannis over Aiton, and I like the Suns. I like the Suns bench scoring over Milwaukee's, and so I like the Suns in seven. Suns in seven. Jeb's a secret big Jay Crowder fan. Wow. Yeah. yeah. You know, louder, louder. <laughs> <laughs> I got nothing against Jay Crowder. I <laughs> with if Giannis can play in the series. Yeah. I, I'm going Bucks in seven. I agree with I the big three on each team. Mm-hmm. I think Giannis is the best player. I think Booker and Paul are your next two. Yeah. Then I think it's Middleton and Holiday. And then I think Aiton is the sixth best guy right them. now. In a couple of years, probably better than For sure. Drew and Chris. Ceiling, yeah. yeah. But I like Milwaukee's depth more than I like the Suns' depth. I think it's a close series. It, uh, Giannis is doubtful for game one, so probably the Suns in game one. Yeah. But they're the more, yeah. I don't know. They're the more, the Milwaukee is outside of Chris Paul, yeah. Milwaukee is the more experienced team all the way around, really. Yeah, I don't think that's debatable. I would say it's interesting with the finals, like looking how the condensed season went, season went and the playoffs have gone. A lot of people, and like, I hate the like, oh, put an asterisk, but like, I have heard an argument online for it is interesting. The two teams that made it through seemingly mm-hmm. avoided like a major. major star injury, yeah, for the most part. And then, of course, unfortunately, right at the end, towards the end, the star of Milwaukee gets banged up. Like, I think. If Giannis was like, there was no question 100% healthy, I would 
probably lean to the Bucks, mm-hmm. like Bucks and six. Yeah. I think like if he was truly healthy. Yeah. I definitely can see this going Phoenix. As so well. you have the Suns or the Bucks? Uh if I had to pick today, because of the Giannis stuff being so shaky, probably the Suns. All right. So I think we're all on the Suns if Giannis isn't really playing. I will say, though. If Giannis can come back and play at 80 to 100%, I'm going Bucks and seven. I think game six, mm-hmm. like the effort and level put in by Middleton. Bobby Portis Jr. Right? Like, like seeing that. Because you're now playing a team to win where that team you were playing, they're healthy, and they have to win this one game. Yeah. They have to win two more. And they beat them handily. They yeah. controlled that game. The whole game. That makes me go, who fucking knows? Yeah. Like, even without Giannis, they might give the Suns problems. For sure. They're a great team. I'm excited. Yeah, it'll be fun. You boys ready to talk UFC? Let's yeah. fight about it. You're just, you're on tonight, Corey. I got a lot of quips that nobody wants to hear. <laughs> I got a lot of opinions that aren't backed up by fact. I've yeah. learned over the last couple of years that it doesn't matter. Here we go. Just talk loudly and seem confident. <laughs> I read the art of the deal. <laughs> That's his version of the secret. You've got a different guy on your podcast to talk about fighting. Here's a trick to winning any fight. Grab him right by the pussy. All right? Everybody knows it works. Everybody Definitely leaves it. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Let's do the character. Oh, man. Well, we now welcome on recurring guest Johnny Sousa to talk about his beloved UFC. The expert. You're going to be my expert. Every show has an expert. You're going to be my UFC expert. Uh, Johnny, well... hope that it never gets big. <laughs> Johnny, Johnny, welcome back to the show. Thanks, buddy. Good to be back. I gotta say, you say I'm a UFC expert. It's starting to feel like I'm just more of the McGregor guy. <laughs> well, yeah, I. This it's is the, the one that, yeah, it's the name, but yeah. you're the guy I come to for all UFC opinion. I text you every time I watch a fight card, so. You do. So I mean. Lost a couple wine gums last time I checked, but we'll get them back for you. That's cool. I thought I won that. I picked Usman. My dad picked Masvidal. Oh, you did at the end. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so I got that done. You got cocky at the end there. Amen, brother. But um, you two, Corey and Johnny, what do you guys see when you look at the main card of McGregor Poirier three? The whole the five fight main. Yeah. Or are you talking about, like the the big the main event? Like the five fight main because i know there's some Corey, your guy sean o'malley's fighting you were telling me about yeah, that O'Malley, he's a real piece of shit but he's fun to watch so i just want to hear your guys opinions on the, the like the main card and what people should look forward to not just poirier versus mcgregor well let's start at the bottom of it then yeah. and we'll work our way up yeah to poirier mcgregor okay fight number one uh sean o'malley he's fighting a guy whose name i don't know john <laughs> So, uh, Moutinho, I don't know the first name. So what happened? Sean O'Malley, obviously, Sugar Sean O'Malley, very exciting. Came off of Dana White's Contender Series with a dope, like, spinning knockout, so everyone's stoked. He had a funny interview. Since then, you know, he 
injured his leg in that fight, but still won. And then told Joe Rogan he fucking loves him. Yeah. I was lying on the ground in pain. Like he's entertaining in a character. Now, the knock on Sean O'Malley now is Sean O'Malley pops, yep. claims it's a painted supplement, but he's gone for two years. Yeah. It's very bizarre if it's purely a tainted supplement, but fine. So he comes back. Hype's still with him. Like he's still popular, which is hard in the sport. Has a great two comeback fights. Oh, yeah. Right? Like stylish knockouts. Mm-hmm. Everyone. The one knockout, the knockout, and the walk away. Eddie Wineland. Yeah. 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 That was the first one. Our, uh, Jose Torres, I believe, was. And then the Wineland fight. Then everyone's like, this guy needs to fight a ranked opponent. They give him a ranked, well, yeah, he might have been 15th then, Cheeto Vera. Weird, re-injures that ankle right from the leg kick, gets finished on the ground, does this whole 13-0 campaign. He's pretending he didn't lose that fight. Says it was a fluke. Yeah, where it's like, well, we're going to later talk about McGregor. 483, yeah. those leg kicks aren't flukes. They're very useful, as we saw. So it's like, loses, does not handle it super gracefully, and comes back, wins like a really, a fight he should have won, but he won it super dominantly. Yeah. Everyone's like, let's get him a ranked opponent. They announce he's going to be on the McGregor card. He gets Louis Smolka. Now, if you don't super follow the sport, it's like Louis Smolka's a good fighter. I was excited for this. But John O'Malley most likely probably would have been a very heavy favorite. And rightfully so. So again, you're kind of annoyed where you're like, I guess the idea was let's give him a guy not quite top 15, 25 to Mm -hmm. 15 in that range, who has an excellent ground game. Yeah. And let's see if like someone tries that pressure on him or whatever. He gets injured and drops out. Sean O'Malley kind of opens up, like calling out bantamweights. I think three ranked guys said they'd fight him. Mm-hmm. And instead, he's fighting a guy who's making a UFC debut. He's fighting a guy whose name we don't know. 13 and 4. And I believe all four of his losses were first round knockouts. So, <laughs> on the plus side to this, is you probably get to watch Sean O'Malley with another cool knockout, mm-hmm. a dominant win. It'll be. Uh, for the UFC, for this card, it's an exciting way to kick off their main card because in all likelihood, Sean O'Malley will put on some form of a show, do some spinning thing, whatever. Some kind of highlight reel knockout is the hope. And then you move on to the other fights. Yeah. Right? Honestly, the next fight on that card, I do not know who these women are. I do. Of course, you know who they are. <laughs> Me and Chad <laughs> That's Johnny. Yeah. That's why you're here. <laughs> it's not just because of your good looks. It's because of your UFC knowledge, <laughs> right? So, like this women's bantamweight fight, I know nothing about it. John, give me a, give us a, a featherweight or bantamweight. Bantamweight. Give us a twenty-second breakdown of a fight no one's ever heard of. Yannick Kimitskaya was brought into the UFC because they needed Cyborg to fight someone, and they had no one in the 145 weight class. They brought her in. Everyone said she'd get demolished. She was wrecked in, like, two minutes. Sweet. Since then, she continued to fight. Uh, mixed success, wins and losses. She's overall not a terrible fighter. 14 and 5. Uh, but 
her reward for like doing well would be fighting Amanda Nunes, who wrecked Cyborg in a minute. So who cares? There's some math have... formula there. She loses in two minutes if Cyborg gets demolished. Amanda Nunes demolishes Cyborg in one minute. You're like, this woman was going to lose in 20 seconds. <laughs> and then the other check was like a super promising looking, like power punching, kind of scary check. Then got on to get like beat very, very thoroughly. And now it's kind of like trying to get back because she was on her last fight. I believe it was her last or the one before. Literally, they were saying if she won, she would fight Nunes next. Mm. And she lost. Yeah, she's 12 and 6, listeners. She's a good fighter. But it's not a great matchup. Like, it has the potential to be kind of brawly, a little more on the sloppy side. So it's like it could be entertaining. But it's not like if you're watching that fight, you're going to see both of them are ranked close enough that they beat whoever wins will fight one more person and then be next to fight Amanda Nunes. And you will not walk away from this fight going, that lady might beat Amanda Nunes. <laughs> you're going to watch it and be like, are they going to put the under at half a run? Like, oh, we get to watch a murder <laughs> And then fun fact about Yana Kunitskaya, she's, I believe, engaged to Thiago Santos, who has Ooh, the hammer. Thor hammer. That's, That's right. He's awesome. <laughs> the guy who almost John Jones on no legs. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> he had legs. John's kicked him a bunch. At the end of the fight. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Now that we got those ones over yeah. with, we're into names that I think sure. me and Devin know. Yeah, I know Greg Hardy. That's right. Greg Deadeyes Hardy. That's right. <laughs> that should be his nickname. It probably is. He is terrifying to look at. And not just because he's like, and he really is. Like, there's these uh, British MMA analysts I listen to, and they're fucking brilliant, these guys. But they don't care at all about any sport outside of soccer, like football, mm -hmm. and fighting. So they're talking about this fight and the guy's like, oh, he's like Greg Hardy. He was like a American football player, right? And the other guy's like, yeah. He's like, isn't it something like to get to like professional American football, you have to be like the 1% of the 1% of like, like their Athlete. system so yeah. thorough. And it's just like, yeah. And then the other guy was telling a story about he went, so Greg Hardy's with ATT, mm -hmm. like the biggest MMA gym like in the world that's got Amanda Nunes, Ioana Yenjechuk, Jorge Masvidal, Dustin Poirier, like more named fighters than any other gym. Yeah. And Hardy fights there. But he said when he went there to do like a Masvidal feature, uh, Hardy lives in like a, he's like, it's like a prison cell. He lives in the dorms in the gym. And every coach, everyone was like, since he has come here, he trains every day. He does something every day. It's like, he's all in. And you're like, world-class athlete he said he was like standing next to him talking to him and then watching him train he was like there's like a freak athlete thing where it's like he's like i don't know what being good at what he did in football looks like but mm -hmm. i can tell he was good at what he did mm -hmm. you know because it's just yeah. like there's a, a such a twitch that they your muscle your fast twitch your muscle memory of like being able to like do something and then pick it up again the next time you do it. And you're like, Oh, you've improved so much. And he's giant. Like he said, he was like, you know, he's been around all the heavyweights interviewed them all. And he's like, he's genuinely just a huge person. And he's like, he moves so quickly, but 
he's a terrible, well, he was a terrible person. Mm -hmm. Maybe he's totally changed and whatever. Maybe he stopped throwing women on piles of guns. Sure. (laughs) Maybe. Yeah. Well, don't let him become champ. Who knows how he'll celebrate? But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It because. <laughs> but the thing with him is, like, he's a weird meme right now. Yeah. Like, I'll give you like the non-MMA casual read on Greg Hardy. The entire like MMA nerds, they're split. You either objectively think he's terrible and hate him. And part of that, of course, is a bias of like, I think he's a piece of shit for what he did. Yeah. Right. He didn't go to jail, but had he not paid that lady off, he would have gone to jail. Yeah. Have you, like, the story was a long time ago. Feel free to Google the images of him. Yeah. Right. Like, clearly was a bad guy. Then they brought him in, and the UFC does this sometimes where it's like, the Cowboys didn't care about his character. Dana White doesn't care about any of this. Yeah. Unless it's against Dana White or the UFC. Yeah. <laughs> so that company line, yeah. you could murder somebody in front of Dana White and he'd be like, that guy's a great fighter. Yeah. <laughs> how many times did we have to hear Dana say how disappointed he was time and time again in front of a camera about Connor and John? That didn't wait when they announced a fight. Like, Nevada's cleared him. We're back, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Get this man, you know, it's just like get this man some money. Yeah, that, that'll help the guy who's clearly struggling with fame and fortune, yeah. even more fame and fortune. <laughs> but so, like Greg Hardy is kind of viewed as that, where it's like if I'm being like objective and I remove what I know about him and I go, okay, I've watched every fight of his contender series till today. I've watched all of his fights, watched his amateurs. He's a freak athlete, so he mm-hmm. can do stuff other fat heavyweights can't. So you're like, oh, he has real potential. And then I watched and I'm like, like his takedowns, they've improved a lot. When he started, he would get a takedown the same way he would tackle someone, but he's so big, strong, that it just would work. Because, mm-hmm. you know, be some like fat slob, the UFC was like, this is technically a pro fighter, <laughs> but they wanted him to win, right? Yeah. Like, Don't kill that. <laughs> He's like, oh god, I can finally do that. <laughs> but with watching him now, it's like I thought he was pretty shitty. I'm like, oh, he's like three minutes of fighting. Yeah. And then no gas tank. Well, he has yeah. asthma. Yeah. So he uses an inhaler puffer, which you can't. So like, oh, I'm like, if he doesn't like look at how Nganu won the belt, that's how Greg Hardy should fight. He should have something in his head that every 20 seconds goes, you can do two things. And he does two things and then he does nothing. Like Derek Lewis will do nothing for a minute. And then eventually he will explode for five seconds and then do nothing for two minutes. Yeah. Because <laughs> he'll scare you enough in that few <laughs> seconds. They're like, shit, that was crazy. Yeah. And then this thing's 25 minutes long. I'm not yeah. built for it. <laughs> I'm built for 10 second bursts. That's it. <laughs> so, like, I thought he was pretty bad. And then he thought, a guy who just lost, but who since he came to the UFC is like a character I'd want to see him see in it forever. Alexander Volkov. Mm. He was in Bellator. He's the six foot seven, crazy Russian kickboxer. He has some of the best cardio in heavyweight MMA ever. Excellent. Greg Hardy lasted 15 minutes with this guy. Yeah. And it was impressive. Like Volkov got a little nervous to like try and finish Hardy because of the returning power. But when Hardy was injured and compromised and forced to fight a little more slowed and controlled, it was like, 
he's definitely improved. And so now the UFC is so smart where everyone like O'Malley's going like, can Greg Hardy fight someone real? His last fight was a guy named Marcin Tybura. I kind of knew he would lose because I'm like, oh, Marcin Tybura has been in the top 12 mm -hmm. for like seven years. He'll beat Greg Hardy. Yeah. And he did. Greg Hardy stunned him a few times, hurt him. Yeah. But as soon as Greg Hardy slowed down, this guy just wrestled him against the cage until he got tired, took him to the ground and beat the shit out of him. Well, the UFC went, okay, who's a bigger name than that? But kind of a fat slob. Who isn't going to try and, and wrestle him against the cage. They went, let's get tied to a box with a guy who drinks a beer out of a shoe if he wins a fight. Like, he's fun, but he's bad. Hey, but Tied to Avaz's last fight, I believe he won that fight. He's on a two-fight winning streak. And I remember watching it because it was like UFC COVID stuff when there wasn't really anyone mm -hmm. around, and he wasn't allowed to drink beer out of someone's shoe after he won. What? So, now that things are back to normal in America, which I believe this card is in, yep. I get to think if Ty wins, we get to see him drink out of a shoe again. And that's something, isn't it? I mean, it's not the belt, but for Ty, it's the closest he's getting. So might as well be. Maybe it's a shoe that's got a belt on it, or like little gold flex or something. <laughs> gold out of it. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, do you have Hardy winning this fight, or do you have yeah, Ty? I would say for the fights we've covered, I would say if I'm like doing a parlay off of those three fights, I'm leaning like O'Malley for sure. Uh, probably Kunitskaya. Aldina could spark her and like, yeah, take her out. But Kunitskaya's last fight showed like she got the shit beat out of her and just heart of a fucking lion came back, took the last two rounds, looked awesome. Like Rocky? Yeah, she was like bleeding, <laughs> her face was up. swollen, she looked terrible. Uh, and then I would go hardy. Okay. Yeah. The, the Coleman event, the next one, is the one that's, like, the G hardest. Gilbert Burns versus Stephen Thompson. Gilbert Burns and Stephen Wonderboy Thompson? I like Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. He is so much fun to watch. Mm -hmm. He, How close has he been to being the champ? How many title fights has he had? Two. Two? Yeah, fought Woodley. Woodley Thompson won. Most people don't remember because two was so bad. It was excellent. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was a majority draw. Yep. So like Figueredo and uh, Moreno's first fight, the yeah. champ keeps the belt. But no but one was Mandatory races. rematch. Yeah. So then they had a rematch and then Woodley won, but it was famously a real considered. Yeah, like one of the worst title fights for output like it was bad it's a terrible fight but since then wonder boy he's has he how many has he lost he wins most of his fights yeah it, overall i mean he's lost since then because that was the ufc hasn't let him come close and i don't know off the top of my head that second fight was probably four years ago gilbert burns he has fought usman before yeah that was his last fight yeah, and he loses to Usman. So now he fights. Almost finished Usman. Yeah. The most, the closest anyone's come to beating Kamaru Usman was Burns in round one. They were training partners and best friends for like, I think, eight years. Classic tale. Usman <laughs> left. 
and join Trevor Whitman, who's like one of the best. As now shown, like is probably the best fundamental boxing MMA coach, and has completely changed Kamara's game. Uh, interestingly, after the fight, so Burns almost finishes him in round one. Usman finishes finishes the round strong though, recovering, and then in the second round, just keeps finding a home for that jab. Mm-hmm. Straight one, two, the like, Whitman classic. Puts him down, finishes him. It was tough to watch, man. Like when it ended, like, you know, Burns is like hysterically crying after being like finished in the cage. Mm-hmm. And Usman's crying, like watching it, and then has to go embrace him. Like he said, it's like, you know, their kids call each other Uncle Gilbert and Uncle yeah. Marty. And like, you know, it, it was definitely and probably forever will be Usman's weirdest fight. But the reality is it's like he left. And I think part of them knew it's like Gilbert Burns fighting for the title was inevitable. Yeah, that's how good he was. And like a lot of people said after who like are familiar with the camp. That's how a lot of their sparring went. Like Burns would fuck him up early sometimes Yeah, on the feet. And then because Burns is like, you know, outside of Damian Maya and a few other names, the most decorated ground guy in MMA. Mm-hmm. Usman's a great wrestler, but it's like, we well, don't want to throw yourself into those traps. Mm-hmm. So like, both of these guys, which is like something you like to see, it's like, both of these guys are now fully cemented in the title picture still. Reality, if Gilbert wins, they'll probably make him fight one more person. I think if Wonder Boy won, they would just to give Usman a fresh name instead mm-hmm. of right now. You know, it's like Wonder Boy wins, he's fighting Usman for the title. Hopefully. So, uh, Johnny, in this Burns versus Thompson fight, what does like what's the main focus for each fighter to do, like to beat the other fighter, and who do you got ultimately coming out on top? The game plan for Thompson, like I said earlier, it's like his game plan's pretty much one-dimensional for everyone he fights. Uh, footwork, not footwork just in like he moves well, which he does, but he doesn't move like a lot of guys. You'll see like a huge problem in MMA and it's a big difference maker with like uh, the actual skill of the fighter is the ability to move on angles. Wonder Boy is excellent when he's getting pressured. A lot of guys, like that's something I look at all the time is when a guy gets blitzed or pressured and he's getting backed into the octagon, right? Into the cage. A lot of the guys, they move in a straight line backwards, right? Just learning how to move on an angle away from your opponent. Now, a lot of the time the fear is if I cut off to the right and he's anticipating it, there's these kind of sweeping techniques, right? He can follow me with a hook or with like a body kick right you're walking yeah. right into it yeah but if you have faith and like he's got very fast footwork his whole game plan is the same thing it's he's you up at range get you frustrated once you start getting sloppy he'll cut in hit you with combos you know two to four strike combos dip back out and he's always moving as soon as he gets away from you he's resetting his feet and he's moving so if like he comes in and engages. You throw a single shot at him and he backs off. You're chasing a combo. You'll see, like, as his feet are going back, he'll try and make a call. Like, cut to the right, you follow him, and he'll step back and go to the left. It's like he's just got this kind of perfect, beautiful symmetry to his striking yeah. game. But 
On the flip side, if you're Gilbert Burns, you're probably watching how Woodley was able to get him down. Now, Woodley, like, almost finished Wonder Boy in both of their fights, even though the second one was very boring. He almost finished Wonder Boy multiple times. Mm -hmm. From strikes, he almost choked him out. I think if I'm Burns, it's like, what I'm guessing from bringing Raymond Daniels and watching his footage, he's just going to wait for when Wonder Boy's coming in. He was practicing throwing a check, check left, which is, you know, like this blitzing style where it's in and in, in and in. It's just getting used to that. And then as soon as you see what you need to see out of his feet placement and he kind of posture, is just instinctually getting that left because Burns can crack hard too. Mm -hmm. If he can, I think if, if he can even kind of hurt Wonder Boy, he's going to take him down. I think his entire game plan is probably predicated around get him against the cage, get him on the ground, drag him, drown him. Yeah. Okay. Right? Just like, yeah. Pull you out of the middle of the ocean yeah. and either just win by points on the ground because mm -hmm. you dominated or you get a submission. But, yeah. And then Wonder Boy is not probably by knockout, but decision. by decision. Yeah. Wonder Boy goes three rounds. He I would points, say he beats you on points. Burns would probably only win by a finish. A okay. finish, yeah. But he won't do enough. If he gets Wonder he Boy one, he'll finish one. Okay, so if who do you have one in the fight? Yeah, who do you got I on top? Go, I'm leaning towards Wonder Boy here. Wonder Boy? Yeah. I'm also picking Wonder Bread Thompson. His last fight was with like this really, he's fought two super promising killers who are up and coming. And, you know, he's an older guy. I think he's 37 or 38. Made him look like boys. Yeah, he looked though in like, they were like some of his career best performances. I think he's he's kind of riding something right now where he's I see, that um, wave. he'll hit some danger in this fight, but I think ultimately he's just an outstrike him on the feet, probably win it like, Two rounds to one, maybe. What do you got, Jeff? I'll take Wonder Boy as well, because yeah, all right. I think. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know much about both of them, but going off your uh, analysis, I'll take Wonder Boy. Love it. Suck it, Gilbert Burns. <laughs> hey. And now the main main event. Dustin Poirier, 27, 6, and 0 with one no contest. And Conor McGregor, 22, and 5, Ooh. and 0. Oh, uh, it's like this Irishman. He has a lot of money. He fought Mayweather in boxing as well. Yeah. One? Yeah. He's a boxer? I mean, like, he, Is this he dabbled. Crazy? He dabbled in boxing, but. Oh, yeah. Like made an unwise switch for just a pure cash grab into a sport that he had no business fighting in. But really, he's a UFC fighter, but he got too big too quick and then was the best in the world for a short amount of time and then blew all his monies on hookers and blow and on yachts and threw a, a dolly into a bus or something and blinded a lady almost for a couple of years, put her into therapy, and then does a bunch of other shit. But uh, and he's back again. Fighting a guy less than three months after he lost handily to him? That guy? And he, well, I mean, and he punched an old man in a bar because he wouldn't drink his whiskey. He had it coming. Popper <laughs> 12 the best whiskey in the goddamn world. Fuck you, Kevin. I wouldn't say it was unwise to make a hundred. No, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm Conor McGregor, 
it's the every day and twice on Sundays. And truthfully, could have been a great moment to go, you know what? I showed what I can do in MMA. I fought Floyd, gave him the best fight anyone's given him in years. I'm only boxing now. Giant paydays, once every two years, because that's how it seemed he wanted his career to go post the fight, mm-hmm. right? It's the Mayweather McGregor. Way more money. Two years. Mm-hmm. And then, because he, and yeah, we'll get into his character. But undoubtedly, the guy wants truly not just the fame. He wants the fame that he's the best. Yeah. Got a lot of pride. So a lot of Irish hot blood in there. To, to fight Mayweather in that, that event and what it was, and then to choose where you were at the height of your popularity still. You're still Connor, both Mayweather fight, mm-hmm. right? Announcing you're coming back to the UFC and fighting Khabib. I'll always give him credit because I'm like... You didn't have to do that at there all. There must have been people. Like, I don't know if John Kavanaugh's coach would do this, but I can promise you, I don't think anyone did because I think he's shown there aren't a lot of people who will give him what he needs to hear. A yes man over there in that camp. In that castle, I assume yeah, he lives in. that Irish castle he lives in. <laughs> but... <clears throat> I, on the throne. I'll give him credit for that, but you have to think there must have been people, longtime training partners, maybe a wrestling coach, who mm-hmm. when that was made clear, Connor is coming back after a two-year hiatus into MMA to fight Khabib, they must have went... Yeah. I like, wish your ego wasn't so big. Yeah. We could talk you out of this and be like, at least fight someone else first. Get your feet wet again. Yeah. It's been two years since you were in the in the octagon. It's a lot different from training to be a boxer. Like you're about to step into the ring instead with possibly the greatest fighter of all time across all weight classes. Well, and here's the craziest thing. And he's like, no, I fucking got it. Pretty much now, since he's retired, undebatably the greatest at that weight in the era. Yeah. And as someone who's watched most of it, he's my greatest lightweight. So yeah. it's like respect. And this is going to sound dumb because I'm not a McGregor apologist or even a fan of his. But if you look at how everyone who fought Habib, with the exception of Al Iaquinta, who got to fight him on four hours notice, so Khabib was just like, I'll fight anyone, give me that fucking belt. So I gave him Al, and it was like, ooh, I'll got to take it down three Almost. times, but got the shit beat out of him. But you look at every other one Khabib fought, he fought Dustin Poirier, right? That was a good fight. Got him out in three. Mm-hmm. He fought Justin Gaethje. Yeah, Gaethje, I thought, was gonna, I thought Gaethje was going to be better in that fight. Sure. Well, everyone, the wrestling thing, but it's like Connor genuinely considering, like, I don't know, there was something about he had injured his foot and that was one of the excuses he used. But watching that fight, there are multiple moments where you're like, Khabib's dominating Connor. Oh, yeah. So when I say Connor did well against Khabib, you'll go like, well, that's crazy. He got dominated. He arguably like barely won one round, maybe. Mm-hmm. It's like, and like when he was on the ground at times, he's got fucked up. You're like, no, but look at every other Khabib fight. 
the modern end of his career could be. Yeah. Connor lasted longer. Mm-hmm. And looked most. better in more moments. Yes. And like truly their first grappling exchange, Connor never escaped the ground. Mm-hmm. But the thing I remember at the end of round one is I was like, he actually was doing all the correct things. Mm-hmm. What it just showed me is I was like, oh, people think Connor's the athletic freak when these two fight. And it's Khabib. Yeah. yeah. He's so much stronger than Connor was. I think Connor realized once that squeeze kept coming, he was like, fuck. I think everyone who fights Khabib realized it was like, oh, I didn't know it feels like this. Yeah. It's like I'm wrestling with an anaconda every time I move. It's just like, yeah. Yeah. Like we all know it's like, you wrestled bears as a kid. And it's like, no, like people wrestle him and they're like, you can tell he wrestled, he wrestled bears as a two kid. bears. Yeah. Two bears now. So it's like, that's why I was disappointed when Connor came out and fought Poirier in the last fight. Because it's like leading up Connor's last fight before this was Cowboy, right? Yes. He beats Cowboy, who's the shell of himself at this point in his career. Connor just dummies him. He has that fun shoulder pop that he does to mm-hmm. him a couple of times. Head kick. Right? And it's just like puts him out. And then he fights Poirier, who is maybe the best guy in the division right now. But still, you were like, Connor, you know, it just was like Poirier just had him figured yeah well Corey was like here's what i'm gonna do to win this fight and then he did it without a lot coming back the other way so would you rather well, fight no, no 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 i'm not saying i i would rather he fight i'm not saying that i'm just saying i was disappointed in connor's performance against poirier but and that's why with what three months after that he's fighting him again i'm like did connor really six months yeah okay not that much time though to be like does connor go okay is he so sure in his head? He's like, I know what he did that beat me. And I know what I have to do differently to make that not happen again. Here we go. Let's do it. Let's run it right back. Because six months later, is pretty much running it right back in the UFC. So after the first fight, you said Dustin Poirier needed to attack the leg kicks, which he did. And that ultimately got him the W. What do you expect in the third fight? And who do you think ultimately takes the tiebreaker between these two? Man, I don't really know what to expect. I mean, Connor's been very quiet in the lead up, which is good if you're a Connor fan. Uh, he, the, the second fight, he did a lot of media, which I was surprised by. Uh, this one, he's gone kind of closed book again. Like, I've seen, I think, one three minute, like, recent promo from him. So, not not been doing a ton apparently locked himself away from his wife and kids and the gym kind of thing he always like we always hear these things about him uh but i think that's all a good sign the other thing i'd say is like if you're really hoping connor wins this fight you go look at diaz connor one diaz connor two when the fight ended poirier connor two when they showed connor in the locker room like after the fact he was already re-watching the fight He's obsessive about it. He is a student of the game. I think if you don't think, just like he made all the adjustments needed from Diaz one for Diaz two and won that fight. Now, it was just enough. Some people still think he lost that fight. I think he won three out of five rounds, but Diaz still took two rounds. I think like with Poirier, it's like there's a very good chance for Connor. Like, it's going to take something like that again from you. What can he do? It's like, you can check those kicks. Since that fight, they became kind of the like, 
which makes sense. Connor has the most eyes when he fights. So a lot of fighters watched him and went, oh, I need to throw these kicks. In the next six months after that fight, I think there's been four leg breaks like throughout the professional circuit. Because if you saw that Chris Weidman fight, which I know you did, Jeb. Yeah. Right? First strike of the fight, he throws a leg kick. All the guy, Uriah Hall, did is check it. Right? He just embraced the kick and turned his shin to the other guy's shin and went, checking those kicks hurts like shit, apparently. But you can do it. You can check them with strikes, too, which I'm curious to see if Connor does. Mm -hmm. Starts mixing in check hooks and uppercuts, like giving the leg if he wants to fight that, like, long front leg forward style. Letting the leg go to try and time something on Poirier. I don't think he will. Another thing he likes to do is he's like weirdly spiteful. Like when he fought Cowboy, he talked about how Cowboy had the mess, most head kick knockouts. So he wanted one on him. And that's actually what he stunned him the worst with and then finished him. But yeah. he was mad he didn't like put him out with it. So I wouldn't be shocked to see Connor actually leg kicking him still. This time, if I'm Poirier, I think if he's banking on doing the same strategy he was doing in their first fight, that'd be a bad call. Because everyone in MMA noticed those kicks. So he must know, like, that's what Connor's anticipating. If I was like Matt Brown and his coaches, again, this is like last time we asked him, like, if he had a brain injury and asked me to help him, I would encourage him and go, you took Connor McGregor down, and it wasn't that hard. Mm -hmm. So I want you to focus for 10 minutes on that. Yeah. Give me those two rounds where you're focused on fighting in phone booths and ugly grappling. And even if he's shutting it down, he's stuffing them, he's fighting, he's getting the underhooks, the right hand position, be a fucking wasp. Just bat at him, and then when he goes for that, grab something again. It's like, just really wear on him, because we all know Connor can fight a five-round fight and win it. He can't fight for 25 minutes. He cannot. He took rounds off against Diaz, where he was losing. Mm -hmm. He was getting tagged up. It's like, if Nate Diaz is going to take you up, you can't let Dustin Poirier do it to you. Yeah. He's going to finish you again. Too much power. You know? So you're going to get these chained together combos. It's like, I looked at a stat today where it showed uh, for each guy, Poirier and McGregor, the amount of strikes they each threw in their last three fights in the first round. The pace Poirier throws, even early, is higher, and his pace is consistent. Connor is just, it goes boom, boom, dip, plateau, die, a little bit up again in the fifth. Mm -hmm. And that's a small sample size. I think you have to favor Dustin Poirier to win this fight. You have to. Yeah. He's fought more often, he's fought better competition. And he fought better in their first fight. I don't want to say McGregor has a punches, puncher's chance because it's like he has more than that. But, you know, Connor could very well finish Poirier early. Like he just about did in that fight. And who knows? Maybe this time, if he thinks he has him hurt, he goes, fuck my gas tank. Mm -hmm. I either finish this thing in 10 minutes or I don't finish it at all, kind of thing. Yeah. And for sure, like he can win. But if that does not happen, if he does not hurt and get something in those first two rounds, he's he's going to lose this fight. So who do you got winning? 
Poirier. Yeah, Poirier. Poirier. If I had to favorite today, yeah. Poirier moving on to fight Chucky Olives. Yeah, and that to me is much more interesting. Jeff, who you got? <sighs> I I don't know. I think McGregor's got a chip on his shoulder, and I, I I'll take McGregor. I don't know. I think he's gonna have that like piece of shit mentality and like I just like I'm just here to do one thing and one and that's finish him early I I don't know I just have a feeling that he's gonna finish him within the second round like not like submission but like I think he's gonna TKO I don't know just a just a gut feeling but I wouldn't be surprised if Poirier uh just like outlasts him through like the second half of the third round and then just slowly deteriorates McGregor and then ultimately just beats him. I have that feeling every time I call his fight, Jeff. Like yeah. When he fought Khabib, I'm like, you know, I got Khabib, I think, just before the fight at like minus 200. And I was like, holy shit, that's awesome. So I was like, that's easy money. But even in like my pit of stomach, because he's Conor McGregor, I'm like, ah, he's going to knock him out in a round. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's going to be some dumb shit. Well, like, yeah. Well, just because of the point in the second fight, like McGregor, I think he dominated the first round. Like he connected on a lot of his punches. And like you said, he hurt Poirier. It's just McGregor didn't jump on the opportunity. Like like you said earlier, like fuck my gas tank. Let's just clean this out early. I think if he kind of tries, I think he's got a better chance of that happening again than what Poirier did to McGregor again. I don't know. Just a funny feeling to me. I don't know a ton about this sport so i could be completely wrong but it's just i don't know he gets just, a higher chance he knocks him out this time than of like poirier leg kicking him and busting yeah. that leg up enough that then he can just like pounce on him and knock yeah him yeah yeah oh just a funny feeling but anything could happen right but um yeah that's where we'll wrap it up thank you boys for coming on the podcast um well, this is your opportunity to plug anything you want any social media or anything you guys are working on John, you're big Four on social media. Oh, I love the social medias. <laughs> uh, follow my OnlyFans. It's just <laughs> Johnny Too Hottie. <laughs> you can find them under there. He does the worm a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can find me on Twitter. Mostly that's where you're going to catch that. That's Latondra underscore. Is that? It's pretty easy to find. Couldn't get just my last name. Someone else had it. Son of a bitch. <laughs> that's at L-E-T-E-N-D-R-E underscore. I mean, there you find some fun, fun opinions about sports mostly and the odd pop culture or snack fact. Awesome. Uh, you guys. Latondra. <laughs> no underscore. <laughs> yeah. He posts pics in my feed. It's uh, some pretty <laughs> spicy QAnon content. You're gonna want to get that follow. If you're an anti-vaxer, that's where you want to be. Yeah, I got the best articles going, baby. Yeah, he did his own research. You guys can follow me on Instagram at Jevin Lefave, on Twitter at Jevin Lefave. Find everything for the show at Left Side Heavy underscore on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Uh, intro outro music is Savage by Tom Ivory featuring Six Man. Go follow. Or go listen to their mixtape, Get Well Soon, on like everywhere you get your music. And be sure to DM a screenshot of your rating and review to left side heavy underscores to enter the giveaway for your chance to win one of three $50 Amazon gift cards. That is all for this week. Johnny Corey, it's a blast, as always.
like and subscribe peace out see you guys next time i just gotta let go went from ducking and fucking and now i got put in the friend zone there's no need for discussion i just really loved how you get low but i'm dipping i'm cutting the shorty ain't worth being ten toes ten toes i, I just gotta let go call me a benzo pay it all cash i won't take no